0: right this is true news 365 thanks you thank you for joining me once again today i want to bring up another um section of scripture uh to go through um one of the another tricky um scripture verse that popped up in my radar um especially during my eschatology studies um, I've been uh, pre-millennial, pre-trib for 40 years, and I've been studying the amillennial view. And for the last several months, I think I am now ready to move on to a different um, understanding of uh, last times eschatology. Um, okay, so bear with me. I'm using a different recording um, software this time. And um, I'm kind of like weird about whether this is uh, going to come out the way I want or how much um, editing I'm going to do. I'm such a non-techie person. so All I basically is have, all I want is some decent sound and that's it. Uh, of course, n- little ambience, but anyway, so I wanted to open up on this. Um, I wanted to open up on Romans 11. Uh, 25 through 26 okay the question is how will all Israel be saved okay this is a a really big issue with regard to eschatology and like I said it wasn't in my radar until recently apparently there's a lot of drama going on especially in this situation and as a premillennial dispensationalist um, following that with with regard to things of revelation things of eschatology oftentimes people don't really um take to heart these conversations and for me speaking for myself um i never thought that this was much of a of a of a conversation because we we kind of thought there was a, a a a main way of viewing the book of revelation and and last um um, prophetic uh, things of the of, of eschatology and stuff like that so we kind of um, I, I really s- s- glossed over these things um, and that so many people you know since eschatology isn't exactly uh, something that pastors really pick up a lot in their sermons and in, in their repertoire uh, these things are just thought to we read these things through and this is what's going to happen and And we think about these things in a literal sense, but then with regard to the issues of like a dragon with 10 heads and stuff like that, and 10 crowns or 10 horns, you know, we say, okay, well, these are the, we kind of, I don't, I have no idea why we push these to the, to the, to the back and say, well, these are symbolic, but then we, we, we leave it there. So my testimony is that, Um, these things are extremely important so much so that it affects really your evangelism your way of worship your way of understanding the Bible completely and I feel that you know uh, the amillennial view brings everything together it brings the um, it brings the um, uh, the gospel together it brings the epistles together it brings so much of the Bible because we've always said, well, yeah, we believe in all 66 books, right? And all 66 books are harmonious with each other. Well, understanding this eschatological um, perspective really does bring the Bible and it stitches it together more so than I have experienced or, or have known in, in, uh, in over 40 years of uh, being a, a Christian. Right. So let me just see if I if I can at least get to the basics of this issue. Romans um, chapter 11, 25 to 26. How will all Israel be saved? The question I ask is, should we all be Zionist? Should we pray for the salvation of Israel? Right. The issue is, OK, Zionists, what what is Zionists? The people that really look to the nation of Israel. Um, OK, please hold. And so the issue is, um, uh, Zionists are people who, who look to the fulfillment of Israel and the salvation and the promises that God has for Israel. Um, and, um, and we say, well, yeah, as the Bible teaches, we should pray for the salvation of Israel. And that continues among all people should pray for the salvation of Israel. We should pray for the salvation of all nations, Right. Of all nations, that goes without saying. Um, but the issue is: um, do is there is there a promise for a geopolitical land, physical land of Israel to come back together? Now, I, I I'm not I'm definitely not the one to talk to about these geopolitical issues in terms of okay, well they've been they've been back since 1946. And they've been prosperous uh, Militarily And um, uh, Monetarily And You know And with um, Advancements In technology And and all of that But the question um, I ask Are they they Prosperous With regard to God And has God Blessed them um, As a result Do these blessings Are these blessings Um do these blessings mean that God is with them okay I'm not gonna answer that question because I don't want to get any hate mail or, or 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 more hate than I get as it is so but that's something that needs to be riding in our brains okay so let's read Romans 11 um, 25 and on and just to get a, a sense of all of these things let's, let's pull up to the scriptures And assess these things right Uh, verse 25 for I do not want you brothers and sisters to be uninformed of this mystery so right off the bat he's telling you that there's a mystery that's being unfolded and a mystery is something that was not revealed in the past now is being revealed so that you will not be wise in your own estimation here he's calling for humility okay understand that these are things that you didn't understand before So that you're not going to be wise in your own estimation That a partial hardening has happened to Israel Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in And so all Israel will be saved Okay And so it says Just as it is written There's a prophecy um, From the Old Testament It says the the deliverer will come from Zion He will remove ungodliness, ungodliness from Jacob this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Okay? Now, in verse 8:28 he says, In relation to the gospel, they are enemies on your account. But in relation to God's choice, they are beloved on account of the fathers. Okay? So, let's piece this together. In relation to the gospel, that means the coming of the Messiah, they're enemies on your account. Okay? He's talking to the Gentiles. But in relation to the to God's choice, meaning God having chosen Israel in the new cup co- in the old covenant, they are beloved on the account of the fathers. The fathers, we, we we love them because of the fathers, we appreciate them because of the fathers. We recognize this first choice that God has had over the land of Israel. Now let's now now read now, now, now go to verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God. Are irre- irrevocable. He's saying, "Let it be understood that the that the calling of God to the Jews, okay, are irrevocable. Those are going to remain, okay." Verse thirty. For just as you want, this is this is the magic right here. Not magic literally, but um, This is the this is what needs to be concentrated on. This is what got me. Verse thirty. For just as You once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience. Verse 31. So these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. Okay? 32. For God has shut up all disobedience, so that he may show mercy to all. Okay? So, from verse 30, he's explaining to you. Okay? Okay? what's going on here. He's saying that there's a reciprocal thing going on. The Gentiles were were far off. They have now brought near. The ones that were first called are now set apart. So it's a mirror type situation for the sake of the eradication of the disobedience so that within these two groups they will now become one in Christ. You see you see what I'm saying? So it's not about one group and two group because we know that in the, in the world of human beings there's either Jew or Gentile. Those are the two groups. And then there's there's either saved and unsaved. This has nothing to do with the unsaved. This is not even in the conversation. The unsaved are not even when it talks about Salvation coming to all. He's talking about salvation to all within those groups. All of the ones who are going to come in. Okay? So, never should we think about this situation in terms of non-believers or or the ones that are not saved. We have to think and focus of what the apostle is talking about here in reference to godly things God is not talking about the ones who obviously will by his eternality and sovereignty not make it okay he's not talking about those that needs to be far and away from our conversation but what we need to focus in uh, is that, that as of the, uh, like he says in the in the in the Gospels I have others that are not of this fold right that are just as much His, right they're just of a different fold they belong to him, but they, they are just of a different fold. But they're one, as as is the language that says that we'll be all in all, right? That we will be, uh, uh, it, it, that we are a, notion, a, a, a nation of priests, that all of these things. So what he's doing is he's meshing into them. So the question is, the question is, um, let, let me continue on when you hear the words mercy to all concentrate on the fact that this is never referring to all as in everyone ever and concentrate on the notion that none and no one ever deserves mercy know that God is obligated to show mercy to anyone now after recognizing this we can now consider God's mercy for what it is God's undeserved favor upon those whom he desires to show mercy upon as in what he told Moses, I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy, right? And upon groups of people, in this case, upon upon the group of Gentiles and upon the group of Israelites, right, of, of, of Jews. And thereby, by showing mercy upon both groups, he's showing mercy to all, Jews and Gentiles, get it? So when we say he's showing mercy to all, we can't uh, uh, indict him and say, "Oh no, you're not showing mercy to all because not all are going to be saved." No, that's not the conversation, and that's not what he meant at all. Never within a universal a universalist um, framework should we be seeing this. Okay, as many make the mistake of doing here. Um, so then, the context of neither Jew nor Greek makes sense now. So now, the concept of one people in one spirit of God makes sense you see so um, you know in the in the top of Romans 1 he says I say then God has not rejected his people has he far from it okay so he's talking about for I too am an, an Israelite okay a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin God has not rejected his people from whom he foreknew or do you not know that what the scripture says In the passage about Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel Lord they have killed your prophets they have torn down your altars and I alone am left and they are seeking my life but what is the divine response to him he says I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not yet bowed the knee to bow in the same way then in the same way then that's verse 5 there has also come to be, at the present time, a remnant according to God's gracious choice. You see? But if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Okay? Um, okay, so this is talking about, like verse 7 says, those who were chosen. Okay? Um, and it says, let me see, if I go further down... In verse 12, if you go to verse 12, it says, Now, if their wrongdoing proves to be riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Right? But he's speaking in terms of the fact that now they are both the ones, the the, the all within the both groups are going to be in one, in Christ. Okay? So, we can't, nothing here in the whole of Romans 11, can we say that it's talking about a geopolitical um, nation of Israel? Okay. And I can get deeper into this with stuff that I've been learning um, with regard to prophecy and combining old Testament with um, uh, eschatology and stuff like that. But uh, I'm still, I'm still a babe crawling through all of these things and I'm seeing them and I'm learning about them, but I can't quite uh, completely articulate these things unless I'm, I'm able to put more time into it But without a doubt That's what I see going on In Romans uh, Romans 11 Okay So so it's, it's as if You know, in other words Because of the work of God's mercy upon the Gentiles God will also be able to save Israel When they finally come out of judgment To be able to see and identify their true Messiah Until the number of the Gentiles comes in But this isn't about a geopolitical Israel but Israel as a people because the kingdom, the temple, nor Jerusalem as a place is needed in the next age to come. In the next age there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus ends up being the true Israel. The object of the drafting of the grafting of the branches into the root. Which is Christ himself becomes one in Christ, you see, if we abide, you see, so that's really what it's what it's really saying, and it's a combining and a grafting of two groups, the the wild olive olive branch, uh, and 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 the natural branch, you see, and they're coming together in one in Christ. It's not a separate salvation for two groups. It's one and the same. So when people say that this is called replacement theology, it's actually an unfair, um, uh, an unfair title. This is more of a blending theology, okay? A blending, a, 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 a fulfillment. Some people, I think, used the word fulfillment theology instead. But, be, but because in the beginning I said that there was a lot of drama concerning these things, um, as it turns out, there really is and I didn't it wasn't in my radar before because I wasn't studying eschatology but now I realize how much how many people are out there really really offended by this because they really do think that this is some kind of replacing Israel it's it's not because even now there are many people um, Jews that still do come to um, to the faith but when he says a partial hardening that's what he means a partial hardening and there will be a time in that that they will then open their eyes towards the very end and recognize their true messiah okay so that's basically all where i wanted to go on this um hopefully it'll be adequate uh and um edifying and, and at least get us going in in this direction i might post more on this um later on um just to uh uh you know just to um this is kind of just a uh, a a first hand type thing I wanted to drop And then uh, later on We'll get deeper into these things um, Because they're, they're extremely important Eschatology as it turns out Is extremely important Eschatology is found in the Gospels, eschatology is found in The Lord's parables, eschatology is Found in the Old Testament It's found in the epistles, it's found Everywhere, okay? So until next Time, God bless Take care Thanks again for listening to True News 365. Check out truenews365.com for more podcasts, blogs, resources, commentary. Check me out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Telegram. And until next time, let's keep the faith moving forward and ignite the power of truth with the word of God to our neighbors and the rest of the world in Christ's name. God bless.